Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, March 9th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that loves a good Carter Hart save or, you know, 47 of them. Yeah, lots of good ones. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Today's a real good one because we get to talk about that Flyers win last night versus the Vegas Golden Knights. And then we are welcoming Paralympic sled hockey expert Ann Kimmel, who's one of the co-hosts of Locked On Predators. And we'll get to talk all about Team USA and the sled hockey tournament at the Paralympics. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So before we get started on the Carter Hart Spectacular, we did learn that Kevin Connaughton is progressing well after that uh, really bad hit he experienced. And uh, while he wasn't in the game last night he could be cleared to play soon yeah and that's good news i mean you want to see him be able to get back and you know not have to be out for any extended time so that's good all right so let's get into it we did say 47 saves on 48 shots for carter hart and man we talk about two really good portions of the game for him that second period uh, late penalty kill which was just awful on this part of the flyers and Hart completely saved it for a good portion of it without his stick yeah you know it was interesting because I was in the uh, Vegas scrum and we're actually back to scrums which is nice and one of the guys after Pete DeBoer spoke was was just like, yeah, I don't even think Carter Hart was that good. And I'm like, really? Even when he didn't have a stick for like 30 seconds? And he's like, yeah, you know, I guess we've just made so many other goalies look good. You're right. He had a good game. But it's just, it's funny how, you know, a perspective could be different. But I I really felt like uh, Hart not only stood up, but like really just maybe his best game of the year because there were so many opportunities, especially – um, later in the game, six on four, and exactly. they were all at the net. And even down to that last, you know, 30 seconds, had had Hart not gotten a hold of that one puck, Pacioretty was there. He was fighting for it, and he would have put it right in. So, you know, Marcia so knew he missed an empty net. Um, that's what happens sometimes. But, you know, Hart really was the difference in this game, like by a country mile. He was. And, you know, to your point about that six on four at the end of the game, you know, he, of course, as he always does, tries to give credit to the guys around him saying they kept they kept Vegas to the outside. That was not true. <laughs> there was there was some real shots on net from right in front of him. And he did a great job all game, I thought, controlling rebounds. I, I thought his decision making was very smart on that front. It was. He was jumping on rebounds. He would, 
if there was a moment of indecision, he would just decide to glove it. He's no longer, you know, fumbling with the puck behind the net. Uh, those kinds of things, he's really cleaned up a lot in his game. And even that last save, he was just like, I got this, you know, and the game was over. Like, that puck was up in the air <laughs> right at the very end. Like, I mean, he there, there was nothing else he could do, but there was a lot the Flyers could do to sort of help him not be under uh, siege like that. Like, that was the worst I had seen him under siege all year. So if you looked at the Vegas Golden Knights expected goals for the game, uh, according to Evolving Hockey, was 5.22 and only one goal went in. That's just extraordinary. And Jack Eichel alone had nine shots on goal. Yeah, there was one sequence where he wasn't shooting at all. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's the difference in him right now. And I think he realized, all right, I just have to shoot it. And he did shoot like three or four times on one power play and it just, you know, didn't go in for him. I still think his shot's a little bit off compared to what it used to be, but it's miraculous that that he's out there. You know, I think actually Vegas coach Pete DeBoer said it best. If you go down to nothing in this league, knowing that you have to get pretty much three goals to win in this, you're going to be chasing it for a long time. And so, you know, that's what he was unhappy about, but he wasn't completely unhappy with his team. But, you know, he had a good point about being down to nothing. All right. Well, we've said a lot of good things about Carter Hart. I feel like we probably should talk about the other guys on the team. And starting off with the Flyers power play, which was rough. They just had real sloppy passing, I thought, throughout. And there were eight minutes that the Flyers were on the power play in this game. Only three shots on goal. Yeah, if if, if they truly you know, want to put out their best lineup and try and win as many games as they can, then put Travis Sanheim on the power play and take Keith Yandel off it. Like literally, if you want Yandel on the second power play for a couple, you know, 30 seconds, fine. But he has no, really no confidence bringing the puck up. He looked like a rusty gate some of the times. Uh, Even at one time, I want to say it was like their last power play. He shot one from like three quarters ice on net. And of course, Leonard puts it in the corner and then they clear it right out. Like I just didn't understand what he was doing some of the time. So that, that power play, was some of the worst power playing, and it's not the way to say it, but I'm saying it all year. <laughs> no, that's a real word. You just said it. It's a real word now. You know, I will say we have talked in the past about the Flyers power play and the strategy behind it, and that we've been sort of harping on they need to take net front shots and get garbage goals on the power play. And in this one, it was really obvious why it didn't work, because every single one of their shots that were unblocked were from inside the left circle. None of them were net front. So, uh, you know, we've seen where they can be successful, and they just didn't take any shots from those places. Right. Even Konechny, um, like maybe on that third power play, was like upset with himself, I think, for not going to the net. But it's like... You know, if you're going to have a brain freeze like that, that's that's not good. I mean, those are the kinds of things you're right. That should just be second nature. But with this team, it hasn't been. But it didn't cost them tonight. So we can't really harp on it too much. No. And I will say, you know, Konechny looked like he was on the verge for most of the game. So, you know, while he had some momentary brain farts like that, I think for the most part, he had a pretty solid game. Yeah, I, I would say that. I, I, I think so. Um you know, Giroux didn't have a great game. You could see, I mean, and I'm going to be honest, I think Kevin Hayes is pretty limited out there. I know he wants to get out there and play and he can carry the puck a little bit. He's really no threat to do anything. He might get an occasional assist here and there because 
he's got some guys on his line, but I, I just feel like I, I, I'm not sure why he's out there, honestly. I do want to also give some credit to Oscar Lindblom because that wraparound goal was absolutely gorgeous. And you don't see a ton of them these days, but Leonard just got beat. And Oscar can do that. He can get around the back of the net real fast. And uh, it just goes to show you, if you work hard enough, you'll some of those will go. Well, I think, honestly, I think he was annoyed with what he was seeing and just said, I got to do this myself. And that was faster than I could recall him being able to do a wraparound. So, yeah, kudos to Oscar. He really, that was a tremendous goal. It really was. That was his best goal all year. I think so, too. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad he's continuing to have some success toward the latter half of this season. I think whatever system Mike Yo is putting in place has really benefited Oscar Lindblom's game. So that's good to see. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I, I, you know, not that he's not that far removed from, you know, when he was ill and he is starting to look more like the Oscar Lindblom of the past. And I'm thinking next year we might actually see that guy again. Cannot wait. I also cannot wait to talk about sled hockey, which we will be doing after a quick break. And we will be talking about our friends over at Built Bar. This is the time of the year that you might have given up on New Year's resolutions, but I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It's, it almost feels like not really a resolution because I actually enjoy them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All Built Bars, including those puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They have so many delicious flavors like mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond. New for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. New flavors are coming out all the time at Built Bar. They are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts, including us. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I am so excited for this next conversation. My co-host from the Locked On Olympic Daily is continuing to follow what's going on in Beijing with sled hockey. And I am thrilled to welcome Ann Kimmel, who also is a co-host of Locked On Predators, to the show. Welcome, Ann. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to see you again and to talk sled hockey. Yeah, I am too. I love watching sled hockey. But, you know, for those out there who may be less familiar with it, what are the key differences in structure between sled hockey and the NHL, such as, you know, the 15 minute periods instead of 20? 
Yeah. So sled hockey in a lot of ways is just very similar to traditional, what they call stand up hockey, but there are a couple of differences. Like you mentioned, the periods are 15 minutes instead of 20 minutes. Uh, the equipment is a little bit different. Obviously it's called sled hockey. So the players are sitting in sleds that are balanced on two skate blades. They also have two shorter sticks, uh, where they play the puck. You can play the puck with both hands, but they also use those sticks to propel across the ice. So the butt end of the stick have ice picks in them that help them move across the ice. So that's a little different. They also have a couple of different penalties that are unique to sled hockey. One of them is called teeing, which is where you hit somebody with the front end of your sled, like you T-bone them. And that's highly frowned upon. And there's also a call you don't see very often for a good reason. It's called spearing. And that's when you get somebody with the ice picks on your stick. You don't see that much. We've seen it this Paralympics and it results in quite the misconduct. So that doesn't happen all that often. Um, it, kind of the only other thing I would say that's a little bit different is that the shifts tend to be a little bit longer in sled hockey. So players stay out line, stay out and rotate. Um, they stay on the ice a little bit longer and rotate a little bit slower than what we're typically used to seeing lines rotate in an NHL game. How has the removal of uh, Team Russia from Group A affected the uh, tournament schedule and the competitiveness and? Yeah, this was a really big story, especially for sled hockey, not only because they were removed, but because it happened so close to the start of the competition. Um, the Russia Paralympic Committee or Team RPC, as they're called, they were in Group A with Korea, United States and Canada. They won the bronze medal at the World Championships in 2021. So they are kind of the presumptive medal person, you know, for what people would consider bronze medal, but they also were a team that could have potentially played spoiler to what everybody assumed was going to happen. Um, so they've had to kind of adjust on the fly. They ended up with just the three teams in group a play. And instead of two teams dropping out after quarterfinals, only one team is out of the games. That's unfortunately Slovakia, one of my favorite teams. Aww. So it definitely changed kind of the feel of the games that changed the logistics of the games. And I know that some of the team USA players before uh, the Paralympics had started and before everything was happening with the Ukraine situation really had hoped to be able to face RPC because at the world championships, they didn't get a chance to face off against them. And I think they wanted to see how they would compete compared to them, but with everything going on in the world, that's just the decision that was made. So they've made some adjustments and now it kind of opens up some opportunities for meddling for some teams that maybe didn't think that they had a chance at it with Russia in the tournament. So you just alluded to this, but a lot like with uh, women's stand-up hockey, USA and Canada are the strongest teams, but Team USA has won the last three golds. Uh, but who else on the international stage is starting to improve and maybe move up to challenge those two countries? 
Yeah, United States and Canada really kind of are a, a tier different in their play when it comes to sled hockey, but that is starting to change. Russia, of course, had a team that did very well at Worlds, but there are some other teams that have really been working hard to sort of grow their program and grow their game to become more competitive. And one of the teams that we're seeing succeed pretty well in the preliminary play is China. Um, China won all five of their B pool championship games in Sweden in September. They had a plus 59 goal differential. They came in and just lit up this tournament. They had two of the top scorers um, and they just have a very strong team. They've been building this team for this Paralympics and they're definitely peaking at the right time. So China is a team that I think is really kind of emerging as um, a competitor, Korea has been um, a, a good competitive team for a while. They were the bronze medalists in Pyeongchang, but they were sort of built to peak in 2018. Um, and so they're a little bit of an older team now, um, but still a team that's vying for a medal, I would say, depending on how all of the quarterfinals sort out. Uh, another team that I love, that I love seeing the growth in is the Czech Republic team. Um, you can see the growth of their program. They've got some depth in their program. They have some youth that they've brought in that are playing in the Paralympics. Philip Vaselli is 16 years old. Alex O'Hara, 18 years old. But they're also paired up with, you know, a Paralympic monster, Michael Geyer, who's been around for a long time. So it's a really good program that's got a good mix. And they're definitely growing as well. Italy and Slovakia still kind of working their way into more competitive play. Italy, I think, is aiming for the Milan Cortina games in 2026. And, you know, Slovakia, this I have to say this is probably one of my favorite teams to watch. It's a young, young program with some older athletes. They have worked so hard to make it to their first Paralympic Games. Um, they've got some great goaltending. They've got a lot of heart, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion. They've been so fun to watch and I think more competitive than maybe what we would have anticipated. So they've got some years to go before they get into the most competitive tier. But, you know, there's some good growth happening across all of these teams. And a, a question about the U.S. program. Like over the years, mm -hmm. I've interviewed a couple of, of sled hockey athletes and seen at least one game live where I could see, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of skill. And I'm wondering, athlete-wise, do they have a lot of returning players or do they turn them over a lot? Because it, it really is difficult. Yeah, it's a very physical game. It definitely takes a toll, but you'll find, especially on this Paralympic roster, they do have a number of returning veterans. They have five first-time Paralympians, but the rest are returning veterans, and okay. some have been playing for years. Josh Pauls, the captain, has been around for a long time, we'll just say. He's played a number of sled hockey games and as a matter of fact, just got, uh, just passed and took the record for the most Paralympic games played when he played South Korea. So they've got a lot of veterans, but they also have some young spunk on this team as well. There's a lot of depth in the US program. Besides Josh Paul's, I would say uh, Declan Farmer mm -hmm. is is probably the best known player for for Team USA. Who else are those younger players that maybe we should keep an eye on? 
Yeah. So one of the players that I love and I think people notice right away is a man by the name of Brody Roybal. He's kind of come through the program with Declan Farmer and the two of them have really pushed each other and the USA team is reaping the benefits of that kind of friendly competition. Brody Roybal, the first thing you'll notice is his speed on the ice, but he's also really developed his game where he's very physical. He maneuvers in very little space. He is not afraid to take the puck through a crowd and can come out the other side with it. Um, and he has a lethal shot. So I would definitely say Roybal is one to watch. And probably the most delightful story for me to watch with the Team USA is a young player, Malik Jones, who is in his first uh, major international competition here at the Paralympics. Love this kid. Um, he has played sled hockey for a really long time, come up for the development program. And it kind of took him, I think, a few shifts to sort of settle in and find his game against Canada. But he has really shown his abilities in these two games. He has three goals. He is so smart. He can really see the game unfolding in front of him and can get to where he needs to be. So Malik Jones is one of the highlight stories, I think, for Team USA at this Paralympics. Another question for you, Anne, or probably, probably my last, but is there a women's program and if there is, how close would they be to becoming an Olympic sport? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the USA does have a women's development program, and they've got some good talent in that. They've got some young talent coming up through. And something a lot of people don't know, the Paralympics are technically co-ed. So women can play on a Paralympics okay. team. There is a uh, female Chinese athlete this year. Norway's had two female athletes that have competed at the Paralympics. Um, but they don't have a women's Paralympic competition. They are talking about establishing a women's world championship, which I think is long overdue. And I think there are a lot of countries that are ready for that. Um, it's one of those things where which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, of course, people can say, well, there's not enough interest for a big major women's competition, but you also have to wonder if there's not enough interest because there haven't been enough opportunities. So right. this is something they're finally beginning to look at in sled okay. hockey and really going to tackle. Nice. I love it. Yes. Talking a little bit more about Team USA, you know, I watched that 5 nothing shutout of Canada and I thought it was very impressive from a puck possession standpoint. Mm -hmm. It just felt like the ice was tilted the almost the entire game. Uh, it was really impressive. Uh, how would you compare this team uh, to past Team USA's overall? Because this just seems like a much more cohesive, stronger team. Yeah, I would say I felt the same way watching that USA Canada game. It felt very much in control by the team, by Team USA from start to finish. Uh, and Canada just kind of didn't seem to know what to do. And I think probably the reason why is that this USA team is so hungry. And that's a good thing because like you said, they're three-time Paralympics winners, gold medal winners. They're coming into this, the presumptive gold medal finalist. Um, but this is a team that's really hungry and they're so competitive. When I've gotten to watch some of their practices before worlds, you just walk into the uh, rank and it's just, you almost get hit by this competitive spirit. They are so competitive and they've really committed to driving each other to be better. 
they've all, you know, trained harder, uh, compete more. And I think you're seeing the benefits of that on the ice. Um, the way they handled Canada really was impressive. You know, they've been able to beat Canada before, but just, it was such a complete domination of uh, the other, you know, powerhouse team. So I really think it's just a hunger that they have. I think head coach David Hoff has really found a way to tap into that. And this team wants that gold medal. Yeah, I could absolutely tell from that game. It was just shift after shift after shift of relentless hockey. And uh, it was quite a thing to behold. So if you haven't seen, even go watch the replay, honestly. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, because it was just a a tremendous game to watch. Um, Just thinking about what's next for Team USA in this competition and, you know, how the quarterfinals might unfold. Uh, what do you think is, is up next for them as far as an opponent and and uh, how this tournament might end up? Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting. So USA has won their bid to the semifinals. So they're going to wait and they're going to take on the winner of either Korea, Italy or China, Czech Republic. Um I personally would love to see them take on China. I think China, Czech Republic is going to be a fantastic game in and of itself. I think probably China will be able to come away with that win. Um, But I think ultimately this is going to be a rematch. I think in the end with Canada also winning a semifinal bid, we're going to look at a gold medal match of Canada, USA, and Canada's going to have to do some things differently if they want to upset USA because, you know, the United States team really has been playing the best sled hockey I've seen them play. That should be a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to the medal rounds in this tournament. You know, sled hockey is played not just at the Olympics. Obviously, you alluded to world championships. And so, you know, if people are interested in continuing to follow sled hockey beyond the Olympics, what would you suggest? Well, you know, there's a ton of sled hockey programs all across the United States. If you go to USA Hockey, they will connect you up with a sled hockey program in your area. A lot of the NHL teams have sled hockey programs that they partner with as well. So they compete in regions. They have national tournaments as well. So there's lots of opportunity if you're interested in sled hockey, if you're interested in trying it or becoming a fan, there's uh, tons of opportunity on a recreational level as well as this high international competition level. Oh, that's so good to hear. Definitely will take a look and see what's going on in in my area here in New York. I know where I used to live in uh, Utah, they had a really strong program in Park City. And I even got to try it once. It was oh, the gosh. most difficult thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> yeah, I think they life. have yes. it in Philly. I think they have it in <laughs> Philly, too. I believe I've seen them playing in Philly. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, such a great bunch of information and I appreciate it so much. Where can people find you? You can find my work uh, at onthefourcheck.com where I cover NHL and sled hockey. And you can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore mama on ice. Excellent. Thanks again so much for joining us and telling us all about what's going on in sled hockey.
All right, we're going to wrap up with our Flyers fun thing. And the guys over at Evolving Wild have been doing this all-time hockey Twitter bracket vote, which has been so much fun. Some of the best hockey tweets of all time, whether they've come from media or players or fans or stats, those are, you know, your four divisions of the bracket and there's definitely some flyers related stuff in there including one where the flyers mentioned perhaps going to the beach in a particular way that you may recall and uh, so i suggest you go vote in that and uh, again it's a ton of fun lots of good hockey memories there hockey tweets are always fun they are That'll do it for today's show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We'll be back again tomorrow with a preview of the game against the Florida Panthers. We'll have a prospect profile. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.